Beautiful. Who never wants me to have the microphone again? Because <laughs> they're worried I'm going to walk. See, there's, there's no safety nets in here. Back row, front row, middle row, side. And someone's muted me again. Do No. No? Cool. Okay, so uh, we've had a great series. Who's enjoyed the commandments so far this year? Cool. Has it opened up kind of what you thought were a bunch of 10 rules into something that's a bit more life-giving and a bit more fulfilling? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, been really good. Now, we're on to the next commandment. We're, we're, we're on the home stretch. We're, we're, we're getting there. In uh, Exodus 20, 12, it says, Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So honour your mother and father, honour your parents. And as we've got it uh, titled, it's uh, live at peace with your parents. Oh, keeping peace with your parents, thank you. Now this is an interesting commandment because for those that were here last week, uh, Pastor Chris had up on the slide, there's the first few, uh, first four are about uh, living in relationship with God and then others about relationship with others. Now, this is actually sort of a bridge commandment in between the two. It's the first of the, the next lot. And the, the Hebrew word that they use for honour also ref, uh, refers to reverence and respect. And it's also used in the context of God and parents. So it's kind of got this dual purpose. And uh, we, we honour our parents, but uh, also there's this honour to God as well through that. And, uh, and the, the family is a place where, in a perfect world, that they're the place and our parents are the ones that teach us that reverence and respect for God. So it kind of keeps, keeps it going through the family. So it's this hinge commandment and it demonstrates faith to God is essential importance for the family. Also, is the, uh, the, the, car, the commandment is the only law or the only commandment that is entirely positive and has an offer of a reward as well and has a, has a promise to it. It says, honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. All the others say, do not lie, do not murder, do not do this. It's not a do not, it's not kind of negative. It's honour your mother and your father so that God, so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. So that, that's a pretty cool thing and, and it kind of, you've got to dig into that. And why, why would that be the case? Now, over the next uh, three weeks, or four including today, we're going to talk a bit more about this and some, some practical advice on uh, how do you honour your mother and father, particularly when parents aren't perfect, people aren't perfect, and uh, there's all sorts of situations. But what I, I thought was good to think about is this commandment was given to the Israelites at a time where they didn't have the perfect nuclear family. They were very far from it. We, we might think, oh, honour your mother and father. That's, that's all great if you grew up in Victorian times and, and you're just very traditional family and you know, you, you're living in estates and different things and you, and you just respect your elders and that's what you've grown up to do. And even just in the last hundred years, there's all those changes. But uh, the Israelites, uh, they, they spent, before they got the commandments, they, they were in Egypt for 400 years and uh, Joseph, who... The, the, all the big journey of how they got to Israel in the first place. He was the the uh, first child of the fourth wife. He, so he was, I think he was the 11th of 12 children uh, to Jacob, if I remember correctly. And so 
That, that, that's just a stuffed up situation right there. Like we're, we're 12 kids from four different mothers all living together in one house. So, so this is kind of the context and, and the history where it's honour your mother and father and, and there, there's all sorts of uh, mixed up and strange relationships that had gone on through this time. So for us to think, oh, it's all good and well, you know, the traditional family, it's easy to honour your mother and father. The, the context when the commandment is given is actually very all over the place as well. So that can be an encouragement for us that uh, if God wanted us to honour, wanted them to honour their mother and father, we can too. A couple of things to not do is not look at God through the filter of our parents. See, God is perfect. God doesn't lie. Uh, God, God is... Sorry, just hearing all the, the, the squeals. <laughs> squeals, squeals. At first, at, at first uh, I, I saw somebody here remain nameless, Haki. Um, it sounded like a car braking, and, and, and then I realized it was just kids. Uh, so just firstly, I was worried that no one had an accident out the back uh, in the other street. Uh, okay, so, so don't look at God through the filter of our parents. Now, uh, I'm, I'm not here to parent bash, and that's the complete opposite of what the next four weeks are about. But we, we're not perfect. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that means our parents too. And we're, we're not perfect, and I'm now a parent, and I know very well that I'm far from perfect, and Jemima will be very quick to point that out one day. <laughs> uh, so, but do we look at God through the filter of how our parents or elders around us have treated us? Do we say, because we may have been let down, or because a parent might have not always been there, or might have lied, or might have taken something from us, or treated us badly, do we think that God's going to be the same? Do we think that God may not honour his promise? Do we think that God may not be able to provide? It's We've got to be careful about projecting what our experiences are onto what, uh, who God actually is. So do we subconsciously let these little things get in and say, oh, God won't do that for me because this person let me down, that person let me down. And on the opposite side is don't look at our parents through the filter of God because God is perfect, so don't expect your parents to be parents are human as I said we've all all sinned and so for us to expect that our parents are going to be perfect in all situations is actually setting them up to fail and setting them up to we're actually setting ourselves up to be let down because we're we're putting them up on this pedestal or expecting a certain behavior and then that that doesn't happen and then we're the ones that are let down not them so it actually comes back on us God is perfect and is our heavenly father now, what I'd like to do is I'm going to get Jess to come up, actually. And what, what I'm going to talk about uh, for the rest of today is God uh, as our Father. And there's a great scripture in Ephesians, which uh, Jess has uh, gladly said she'll uh, read out for us. It's a nice long one, so I thought I'd get a change of voice for you. Uh, so why don't we all welcome Jess to come up. So th- this is Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 to 14 in the message version, which I think puts it really nicely. So thank you, Jess. Okay. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him.
Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you once, you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first instalment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Thank you. So the title, I've given my message a subtitle for this week because there's one phrase I'd love you to take away with you today. is my daddy's the king. Uh, I'm just, just going to pray before I go, go any further. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you. You are our father. We thank you for your children gathered here this morning. We pray for revelation and, and your Holy Spirit to touch everybody here and to, to give them something for where they're at, some word of encouragement, some word of uh, exhortation and a, and a challenge to push forward. Just bless your, uh, your word this morning. Thank you, Jesus. So my daddy's the king. Everyone say, my daddy's the king. And it's not saying my daddy's the fourth in line and twice removed and, and uncles aren't. My daddy's the king. He's, he's the, the number one. Jesus is king. God is the king for us. What it says in, in the, the passage is just five quick things. Uh, I'm going to go through really quickly. The first is he gives us blessing and lavish gift giving. One version says every spiritual blessing. So says we have every spiritual blessing or is lavish in his gift giving towards us. That's how he considers us. He doesn't hold back. It's not just, oh, just, just give them enough just to keep them interested. It's lavish gift giving. So what I want you to get from this passage, and, and if you, it, it's just, it, it's a great one to meditate on, to, to study. It's a, it's a longer one and there's so much in it. You could probably spend weeks just talking through all of this. So I'm, I'm just going through some of them briefly. But if you really want to be encouraged about who you are and, and, and your relationship with God, I encourage get a hold of this one. I did years ago and I'm still talking about it. And it's still ingrained in me. The second one is uh, we're adopted. He said long ago he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. So that means if we're adopted into the family of God, we are his sons and daughters. So that means all of us here are his sons and daughters. And so Related to each other, we're brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts. It depends on the generation. So our daddy is the king. We're, we're all princes and princesses in a kingdom. If our daddy's the king, we, we are royalty. 
That's what I want everyone to get this morning. We are royalty. And what it means is we are entitled to what the king is entitled to. We carry his authority as well. Uh, The third thing is plans and designs. He had us in mind long before. There's there's passages in Psalms and Jeremiah where he says, I I, I know the plans I had for you. and Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. He had us in mind and set out. He had his eye on us. So if, if you don't think you're worth much, if you don't think you're kind of anything to anybody and, and you're, you're struggling with that, just know that God had his mind on you. He had his eye on you and he wanted to adopt you into his family as his child. Uh, the fourth thing is the Holy Spirit. It says towards the end, it said, was signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Not to reference any particular pop songs there. But... Uh, so we are signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Others uh, say with it, like a signet ring. And, and what that means is or, or we're sealed in the way of royalty. Like if you've ever watched the, the TV shows or if you're old enough to remember, probably not, uh, wax was used to like seal things up and you ha- have a ring or a stamp to. That means that letter, that thing that's taken out, has the seal and authority of the office it came from, whether it be the, the king or the, the president has uh, stickers on the, the president of the US with the eagle. The, it says seal of the president of the United States. Whatever that's on has the authority of that office and that person. So us as his adopted sons and daughters are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So we uh, have, that means we have the authority of heaven. We have the authority of the king when we are walking around because we carry the Holy Spirit with us. And the fifth thing related to that is this signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. Other versions say it's a promise or it's a guarantee. An installment means it's a taste of what's to come. And as I said before, God cannot lie, and that would be a whole message in itself. But when he says it's an installment, it's just a small taste. The Holy Spirit and our relationship with God, what we see now, that's just a small little taste on heaven. That's just a small little taste on what we're going to experience. And as we yeah, carry around the Holy Spirit, to know that as I'm walking around, I'm carrying the authority. I'm, I am a promise because what is coming is even greater. So those moments you have in worship, those encounters, the, the times you see God's faithfulness, that's just a small little installment on what's to come. A small little guarantee and promise that even though those things are, are big, God's got so much bigger and planned. Now, if we come from a good home with good parents, that's a great thing. And it should be, uh, we should be thankful to God and, and lift that up and, and count it as a blessing. But if we don't uh, count it as a blessing, that what we have here, we are a family. And so we may come from uh, split homes or uh, parents might have treated us in all, all sorts of ways or might not have been absent or you know, solo parents. Just know that when you come into the house that we are adopted and God has chosen us as his children. And so when we come together, God is our father. We are sons and daughters. And, and just to, to look around the room and see the, the, the wonderful people, we have babies babies and, and little kids and right through to people of certain ages <laughs> that's me being tactful yeah uh, some of you got that and and so we are brothers and sisters and so if you don't even have parents 
or family, we are a spiritual family together because we've all been adopted into God's family. So together we're brothers and sisters. So to think of the people in this room and wider field and church as your spiritual family. Cool. Now I want to uh, tell you a little bit of a story. There was this, this dude in Adelaide. Uh, well, he, he's one of two sons. He got, got father, and he, he said, uh, Dad, you've kind of been okay to me, but I think I can do better. Uh, I'd like to just go out and, and do, do my own thing. So he said, um, you know that, like, that will, that inheritance you told us about? Uh, can, I mean, I kind of, you may as well be dead now. Can I have my half? Because uh, I'd like to do, do things with that now. So, so the dad goes to the accountant, he goes to the lawyer, it's like, okay, can, can we split the assets up? Can we, like the houses and the investments and the share portfolios? Because that, that, they're wealthy, they're, they're, they're pretty rich. So like, okay, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make this happen. So he signs over half to the son. The son, after a while, kind of living it up, yeah, cool, got some investment portfolios, got some things going on, decides, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set out. So he cashes it all up, he sells his shares, and sells the property and gets rid of all the investments because he wants to be fluid. He wa- wants his money to be able to spend. So he does that. He cashes up and he's got millions of dollars. So firstly, he books a ticket from Adelaide to Dubai and travels first class and gets there and it's, it's a pretty lavish life. It's a nice picture of Dubai. So I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures of lavish living in Dubai Fast cars. It's got a it's got a penthouse right at the top of the Burj Khalifa. Um, one, one of the ones with the, the, the flat area, so they have a nice deck. And living it up, and, and then you know, got friends, got gambling away, doing as much as you, you can do in Dubai. And he's posting a few pictures on on Instagram. It's like hashtag loving life, and don't you wish you were here, and and, and sharing with family and friends around the place. And there's people kind of following him. That's cool. So, uh, cool, okay, we'll, we'll move, move on. So he jumps on a, a flight to Paris and spends the next year in Paris. Meets some new friends. And you know, Paris is a city of love. And walks around, has great food, some great wine. Uh, and posts a few pictures. And uh, it's like, hashtag, don't you wish you were me? And, and Europe's awesome. Paris is, Paris is cool. So he, he's living it up there. And then he's like, oh... Yeah, I'm going to do something more. I'm going to just, wh- wh- why not? Let, let's just go to the place where it, it's ultimate. So it goes to Vegas. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but seriously, it goes to Vegas. So, because he just wants to gamble. It's like, I've got all this money. I'm going to spend all this money. It's all, it's all good. And friends are following him around because he's splashing money everywhere. He gets some more fast cars. Uh, yeah, he's sleeping around. He's uh, prostitutes. He's... he's uh, getting drunk, he's uh, hanging out with Prince Harry and taking some videos and doing all sorts of things he shouldn't do. Because what happens in Vegas stays on Facebook. <laughs> and so he's driving some Ferraris and some Lamborghinis around. And so the type of stuff he's getting up to makes the hangover look pretty sensible. Like pr- pretty tame. So, you know, there's tigers and all that sort of stuff from the trailer. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so so it makes all, all of that sort of stuff. It does look pretty sensible. But then, so he's been splashing all this money around and it goes, goes all over the place. And 
and and all his best mates come up. Oh yeah, I've got this great investment idea, and, and I, I think it's going to make us like two hundred percent in a few days, and you know, just need a bit of money. And so he, he puts in a bit of money, and, and there and over there, and all these these new friends because he's got all this money. And but then the GFC two hits, the, and and so. The, in, the investments and, and these things that were looking good, all the, all the money just disappears, makes losses. Uh, Vegas, no, nobody's got any money left. As a, a big drought comes through the US last five years and, and, and food production's cut and, and he's got no money. He's, he's spent everything. So he's unemployed. The share market's crashed. There's drought. Friends will leave him because he's got no money left because that's uh, what true friends do uh, when they're those type of friends. And he's evicted and he has to give up his phone and all the technology so he can't be in contact with anybody. So all he can do is find work on a farm. He's just like scrounging around, begging, living on the streets. And the only job he can get is to shovel poo, shovel crap, depending on what we'd be like to use. So he's basically not paid anything. It's just a means to an end. He has no food for himself and he's living on the streets. And he's starving to the point where he's longing for food so much, he wants to eat what the, the animals are getting fed in the barn. He's like, look, I just, just want some of that. And he was considered so lowly at this point that people were like, yeah, pigs are worth more. You don't get any of that. And so he wasn't even allowed the pig food. And it's like, this is just not a good situation. So he's... he's uh, passes the local community library and there's free computer and uh, internet access and ju- jumps onto Facebook and, and sees, looks back at Adelaide and, and sees pictures from a couple of the servants in the household and, and he sees even Joe and Sarah who just kind of, you know, bottom staff in, in the father's business. Even they, they're posting pictures of barbecues and, and hanging out with each other and you see all this food and they're having a good time. He's like, what? E- even, even that I've got something, and here I am, just with with nothing. And the 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 lowest of the low in in my my father's house. Even they've got more than enough. And it continues on in uh, in Luke uh, fifteen seventeen. It says when he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death." So what he came to was a revelation or a new understanding of his situation and, and, and what it meant to be in, in his father's household. So he realizes that the, the lowest in my father's house live better than I. Even the people that are considered the servants and, and the lowest of the low, they have an abundance above what I have where I am at. They have spare, I am starving. Verse 18, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So this understanding of this revelation, he understood what it meant to be in his father's house, that even if he was the lowest of the low, he'd be protected, he'd be fed, he'd, he'd have supplies, he'd be looked after. And there was this uh, realization that if I just come back and repent and beg my way in, I'll, I'll be okay. So verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. 
who knows that we require an action. After a revelation and understanding, sometimes it's, it's all good and well to get that understanding and go, oh, cool, my daddy's the king. That's great. My daddy's the king. But you've got to do something about it. You've got to get up. You've got to take a step forward, take a step of faith to, to get moving. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. What's really cool about this is the father, he was a long way off. He was uh, trekking away, posted something on Facebook. The, the dad said, oh, he, he wants to come back. Cool. But the dad, dad was on Facebook looking for a son. He was looking for the pictures, looking for a post, looking for some sort of update. He saw, he's like, I'm going to pay you first class. Come back. We'll, we'll get, get a, send a taxi. We'll pick you up, get you to the nearest airport. He was looking out for him to come back because ever since his son left, he was missing him and he was looking. He wasn't just kind of getting on with life. He was looking out for his son to come back. And that's what God is doing. He's always looking out for us. And he was filled with compassion. And he ran to his son. He proactively went and met him halfway. He didn't just say, right, you, you took half the money. It's, it's cool you're coming back. I was looking for you, but you've you got to come all the way here. Yeah, I'm going to play it cool. You've got to come all the way here before I, before I do anything. He's, uh, he runs to him with compassion. He's like, you're home. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So there's repentance. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. So the, the father doesn't even worry about the repentance. He's like, oh, it's, it's all good. You're home. What's more important is that you're home. You, you are here. So he calls out the servants. Bring the best robe, put on him, put a ring on his finger. That ring of authority. He's back in the house. He is my son, he carries my authority. He has that seal of the house. He is back with us. He say, get, him, get the tailor. Get the best tailor in Adelaide. Get him a new suit, the most expensive suit that exists, something, the newest fabrics. Get him clothes. Let, let's call the Adelaide Oval. We are going big time with this one. We're going to get the best of the best. We're going to get uh, U2, Coldplay, a bit of Beyonce, Justin Bieber. We're just going to, something for everybody. <laughs> Maybe what bit of One Direction and Rolling Stones because, you know, they, they passed by the first time. So we're going to get the Rolling Stones back. And we are going big time with this party because my son is back. And he says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. The fattened calf represents the best of the best, the best uh, produce, the best of the, the output of that house, the best of the business. It's the, the first fruits. It's the, the biggest and, and the, the, the best they have. So the celebration is due. So they, they call up all the celebrity agents. They get Matt Moran, Heston Blumenthal, Jamie Oliver. All the big chefs are there. So they're all cooking up this feast for 55,000 people. It's a big feast. Uh, it says, For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So that, that's cool. That's, we'll, we'll come back to that. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He's just working away in the office, just doing his thing. Uh, yeah, working for the family business. When he came near the Adelaide Oval, he heard music and dancing. It's like, what is all this noise? What's all these this hashtags and people putting on Facebook? Like, they're all at this big party. He's hashtag, he's home. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. 
Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Uh, on a side note, it's interesting to see what somebody who's grown up in the house's reaction is to when somebody comes back or is new to their house and when things go, go great for that new person. That, that's just a, another that's a side point. So, something to mull on, possibly. So he, his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, this is a great story. The, the prodigal son, the, the word prodigal means wastefully extravagant. So here's a son who just decides that he's going to take half of his father's house, his, his assets, and, and he's going to go out because he can do it his way. He's going to do it his way. He's entitled to it. And he, he can do it better. But he comes back. He's lost. He comes back. It's a, it's a great story, and it's often used in terms of... Uh, you know, the, the one that's lost, because it follows the lost coin and the lost sheep in the Bible, and uh, God rejoices when the one comes home. And it's so true, and it is. And there'll be an opportunity for anybody who, in, in a few minutes, anybody who feels like they have gone out and done it on their own. You might not have gone to Dubai and Paris and Vegas and splashed all the money around and had that sort of money to do, but anybody who has had the pride to think, oh, I could do it on my own. Oh, I'm just going to do it my way. I'm just going to kind of step out from under my father's house and it, it'll be okay. I'll just kind of go this way. Uh, I can do it. it anywhere in, in between that is an opportunity for you to, to come back to the father, come back to God uh, shortly. But what I really want to focus on is verse 31 where he says, My son... So I was going to try to do a deep authoritative voice. The cold doesn't really help. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Here is the second son who spent his whole life in the father's house. Church. He spent his whole life in his father's house. He's been slaving away. He's been working because he thought that's what his father wanted. He's just head down and just 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 doing this thing. And then he gets angry when his younger brother comes back. Rather than rejoice and be happy that someone has come back into his father's house and is not dead and not lying on the street somewhere and, and uh, it could be in any sort of situation, he's, he's, back, he's actually angry. He says, well, I've been here the whole time. His father says, yeah, all you had to do is ask. Everything I have is yours. You... If grown up in the house or you're in the house, you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God, all you need to do is ask. Stop just kind of walking around with your, your, your head on the keyboard or you, you're out on the field and you're just kind of, oh, just, I'm just, oh, I'm sick. Yeah, oh, that's okay, I'll just kind of, I'll just keep working away. Just ask, ask for healing. 
God can give you healing. I know it's ironic I'm preaching with a cold this morning, but if I didn't believe I was a son of God, I wouldn't stand here with a message that I believe God wants to share with somebody this morning because it's more important the message to be shared than my sickness. <laughs> that was not planned, but it was brilliant. <laughs> if I do say so myself. So how many of us are in the Father's house and don't realize everything of His is ours? All of His resources are ours. Okay, so you might look at my situation with Carmen and Jemima and say, yeah, we're, we're renting, we've started a business, money goes up and down when you've got a business, we've kind of you know, got some debts to pay. Yeah, I, yeah, you're really living like a prince. You're really living like... But if the, what we, we've sacrificed some things to do that and... Uh, I would have been earning twice what, what we are at the moment or, or more uh, from the jobs we sacrificed when we moved to Adelaide and, and what we could have done. We wouldn't have started a business if we didn't believe that the kingdom's resources were available to us because what we have started a business and stepping out of faith, we, we got up from our situation and we're, we're stepping out and believing that as we put our hands to the plow, as we work on the creative ideas that God has given us, that there'll be an abundance in our future. So we, we have asked God and we're believing as we work through our current situation and circumstances might say something else to us. But I know that I am a son of God and Carmen is a daughter of God and so is Jemima. And that what is in front of us for our family is an open heaven. Plug for Wednesday night. Open heaven, come, come along on Wednesday night and ask God all he says, it's just one, one sentence, my son, you're always with me. You've been hanging around, you've been worshipping, you've been coming to church, you've been like packing the chairs away, you've been doing good things, but your mindset's been wrong. you just got to shift up, lift your head up and say, you just got to ask. Everything I have is yours. It's all about the mindset and what we believe. See. So, So what are we believing about our situation? I'll just ask George to come up, please. So firstly, I want to have two responses this morning. I want to ask if there's anybody who has been away from God or doesn't know Jesus, as I mentioned earlier in the service, and, and Loretta did beautifully with communion about the promises of what Jesus says and who he is. Jesus is the Son of God. He and the passage in Ephesians said he took uh, sin upon cross. He, you know, he's made us abundantly free. We're free from penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds. So that's what he took upon the cross. That's what we remembered in communion. If there's anybody here this morning that has ne never encountered that relationship with Jesus and wants to experience that freedom that comes with that relationship with Jesus, this morning is an opportunity to do so. Or if you in any small way have felt like that or been like that first son who's taken a bit, kind of realized, oh, yeah, I'm a prince. I'll just kind of go out and do it, do it by myself. I'll just take a few resources because I, I, can, I can do it. I, I've got I'll be friends and we'll, we'll have a great time. And things might not have worked out so well or just, just missed home, came to your senses and realized 
it's better for me to be in my father's house than out on my own. Even if I just, even if I'm just coming at the bottom, coming at admin job, you know, just, I'm not saying you have to do anything. You just got to come into the house. You just got to, as it says, just had to get up. So that's that's the first one. And then after that, we're going to spend some time in worship and. I want you to talk to God and and ask Him to show you where you need to believe and confess that my daddy's the king. Not in a way that's joked about before. It's like I'm entitled to some resources. I'm I'm in church. It's cool. The debts are piling up. Family relationships are kind of all over the place. My body's feeling a bit sick. Maybe we just need to confess. My daddy's the king. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Because my daddy's the king, I'm in his house. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. But firstly, is there anybody here this morning with every eye closed please just to just have a moment anybody in that that first group who may have never been in church or ne- or you might have been in church for a while and just never really felt like you've acknowledged that Jesus is your king is there anybody here this morning that would like to give their life to Jesus and, and come into his house and confess this morning that my daddy's the king anybody that feels like they might have been that, that first son who's gone out and kind of might have spent some time in the house you might have grown up in church you might have hung around you might have been here a few months and things have gone on and you're kind of getting buffeted about swayed left and right and just feeling like you're kind of victim in a whole bunch of circumstances and just need to come back and revelation this morning that my daddy's the king, I need, I got to get back into his house this morning. Is there anybody here that would like to do that this morning? Come back, say, Jesus, here I am again. I'm back. You are my king. Beautiful. Ask everybody to stand this morning ask the band to come up. We're going to finish in a little bit of uh, worship this morning. And I chose this song primarily for the first line and another line. It says, we are are his sons and daughters. We we are in his house. And and I I could do things, but just felt like it'd be a great morning to finish worship. We hear great words here every Sunday. And just thought this morning, our response can be in worship to God. Have have a few minutes. We've got as long as we need. We're, we're running good for time. Just to, we're just going to start start the song and, and sing to God.
just to think about where where have we not put God as our king? Where where have we limited? Where has our mindset been limiting our situation, our health, or our finances? Just to say this morning, God, you are my king. My daddy is the king. I am a son and a daughter of God.